Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Having a strong, flexible body is the greatest investment you can make in your jiu-jitsu. And this is why we've created a collection of simple programs designed to do just that. You'll build your strength, mobility, endurance, and coordination. And the best part is the programs are designed to fit into your busy life schedule. You don't need any training experience to start, and it's completely free to get started. Go to bulletproofforbjj.com and sign up for your free trial. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. Q&A for BJJ. You've got questions and we have some answers. Here it is. If you want to leave one, go to the website, bulletproofforbjj.com. Click the podcast tab, record your voicemail. We'll feature that on a future episode. First one coming in, Heart from Bree. Hi, Joey and JT. Uh, my name is Bree. I'm calling from Allentown, Pennsylvania in the States. So shout out to 10th Planet Allentown. Yeah. Um, I am uh, about a seven-month white belt, so pretty new. I have been binging the podcast, and I've listened to almost all the old episodes. So my question is this. Um, now that I've totally gotten addicted to jujitsu, I have some vacations coming up soon, and I want to go visit a gym I just finished listening to your two-part series on um, gym etiquette, so that was really helpful. I don't want you to rehash that. But my question is, um, as a woman, and a new woman, kind of fairly small, uh, I want to go visit jiu-jitsu gyms like my friends have done, and I'm a little nervous about that, just kind of not knowing who I'm going to run into there. And, um, you know, I know obviously you two are not women, but I wonder if you have any advice for um, a woman kind of heading into that space. I know not a lot of your listeners are women and I'm part of the lucky 5% or so, but um, maybe this would be good advice for uh, guys that have women visiting their gyms too. So thanks a lot. And um, again, appreciate the podcast. Thanks for the question, Brian. Nice. Legend. That's awesome. Thank you, Brian. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, so part of the 10th planet network and so I think that's – it's always good to try to chat within your network. So whether it's, you, you know, you can uh, – it depends on where you want to go holiday. <laughs> Sometimes where you want to go holiday, there's not a lot of jiu-jitsu options, but because of the various around the world, it's there. What I always do if I'm trying to work out uh, a gym's culture is I usually stalk a few people from that gym. And I'm like, what are they like? Like what's their social media look like and – you know, kind of do that kind of thing. So if you're interested or you're unsure and you want to go to a gym that may be more um, women-friendly, uh, it's worthwhile to have a look at where your favorite female jiu-jitsu players train and even reach out to them and, and say, hey, I, I'm coming to, you know, I'm coming to San Diego or I'm, I'm coming to New York. Could I come train with you? And, and yeah, you'd be surprised, I think, at just how – reachable and contactable these people are and even if they're not the person they might be able to point you in the right direction because a lot of gyms out there which aren't famous that have great uh programs and culture which suit uh you know both men and women but they might even have women's only training if if that's your concern yeah it's a good one i totally get your concern uh, even even for me right as a male i get a little bit nervous going to nervous. a new gym you're like oh what's this going to be like and it's you know so i can only imagine that's kind of amplified for yourself brie um, I would suggest 
as well trying like give the gym that you're going to go visit notice in advance mm-hmm. and just maybe mention the concern because what I do know for any of the good gyms that I've trained at whenever they know that there's someone coming in to visit they want to make sure that there's other there's going to be other people there to train with them yep. so that it's a good session for everyone like the last thing a gym owner wants is for someone to show up and for them not to have anyone that's like suitable for them to train with i.e when i tell people hey i'm coming in and i'm a black belt they're often like oh hey we're a really new gym we don't have any higher belts just letting you know right Mm. i I, because they want me to have a good time so i would imagine that any good gym's going to be like oh you are a whatever weight you are like a lighter weight female new to the journey let me make sure i get some of the other girls in the club or some of the other women in the club to be here as well yeah or even there might be like oh on sundays we do like a women's only thing exactly you should definitely go to that session yeah it's an opportunity for them to guide it right yeah and i think yeah the communication thing that joey's talking about i think there's nothing wrong with you contacting the gym ahead of time and and finding out yeah and then the other part of that i I would just be hyper vigilant you might turn up to a gym that just doesn't give a (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and they yeah. might just be like, oh, you're some out-of-towner and they might like and, – and so in that case, you have to then be vigilant about, okay, who do I not want to roll with today? <laughs> yes. Right? And you, and you so – and then go in and think, okay, how do I play my best defensive game so that I'm just – you know, then once you learn, oh, this person's actually really good to train with, then you can open up a bit. For sure. Cool. Hope that helps. All right, next one coming in, Tommy. Hey, Joey and JT. Love the pod. It's been helping me a lot. It's got a question regarding – communication with training partners in the gym i recently joined a new gym don't know anybody i'm a blue belt came from a different gym and had a role with a upper belt a brown belt in fact strong powerful guy he used a lot of energy he was coming at me hard and it was my first role in that gym with this bloke and i didn't feel safe rolling with him i felt a lot of danger and high likelihood for injury my question is would you communicate with him next time you roll with him about that or should I avoid him entirely and not roll with him or should I not say anything and roll with him subsequently and hope for a better, safer, more enjoyable role? Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Tommy. Man, that's a dilemma, huh? Yeah, it's tough. Look, man, sometimes the energy someone can be bringing to a role can be they had a really bad day that day and they're taking it out on you, you know, that, that can happen. But then also there's those people who are just dicks. Yeah, they're just not friendly to roll with. And I think it will be good for you, at least from a communication point of view, to work that out. Another way that you can do that is to ask someone else, oh, hey, man, did you roll with big, big John Snow over there? Like, did he pulverize you? And because if they're like, oh, yeah, man, he's, he's a crusher, that's, that's what that guy does. You're like, okay. That's not what I came here for. I'll avoid that. Talking with them directly can sometimes be a bit cryptic because they might think that they're just rolling you normal and you're soft. And, you know, like oftentimes, depending on the individual, when you talk to them, they may not see their level of intensity as a problem. And Especially and if you're a lower belt. Yeah, that's might be tough. like, who are you to talk to me about this? Yeah. As silly as that is, right? Mm. That's such a good suggestion about just hitting up a teammate. But you can just even be like, man, so-and-so's a handful and then gauge their response. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a animal. He goes super hard on everyone. Then you've got your information. Okay, great. I'm not going to bother talking to so-and-so. I'm just either going to avoid them or I'm going to roll knowing what to expect. Yeah, for sure. And and I think the other thing is to try not to take it too personally. Like if if somebody's just 
really tough in roles and, and, and really doesn't care about who you are or your experience, you shouldn't take that personally. That's just that's just a reflection of their their lack of empathy or, or who they are. So I think oftentimes what can be confronting is you think, man, this person's picking on me. This person fucking hates me. Like I haven't done anything wrong. When actually that's just not the case. You just you just gotta kinda weather the storm if you do end up rolling with that person and you know, if you get to know them and you realise they have psychological weaknesses, maybe work on those and chip away at them. What I would like, what you should consider as well, and this obviously may not be appropriate given whoever runs that place, but if the coach is, you know, like if the coach is cool coach as I see it, you should be able to go to them and have that conversation with them. Hey, coach, I just want to check. Man, so-and-so was coming at me super hard. I felt a little bit uncomfortable, just felt like I was going to get injured. Um What's the deal there? And the coach should be able to go, man, I understand your concern. You know, yes, that person is like this or, you know, help you find a solution. Mm. Obviously, if you're at a gym, some gyms, as we know, coach doesn't talk to new people until they've been a member for three months. Yeah. That kind of thing. Or, you know, whatever the coach is kind of absent, in, in, absent to that sort of discussion, then you're going to have to find another way around it. But if they are a cool coach, you should be able to have that chat with them. Yeah. And I, I don't think you should avoid having a conversation directly with a person, but... I, I have tried that too with people who I thought I got on quite well with and the response was actually quite negative <laughs> and they rolled me harder. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, and well, I mean if I'm thinking back to when you were a, like a, a blue belt as well yeah, blue and, and purple. a brown belt, I don't. Yes. it's very hard to have that conversation, isn't it? Like yeah. this, is the, this is the power and balance in jiu-jitsu and, and really you've just got to look after yourself. Yep, good luck, Tommy. All right, last one, Nick. Hey guys, just listened to the most recent episode about the most influential person in Jujutsu's history, and I wanted to offer the idea that potentially Count Koma, or Mitsuyo Maeda, uh, is technically, potentially the most influential person in Jujutsu's history, because without him teaching the Gracies in the first place, there may have never actually been another opportunity for them to learn Judo to then develop Jujutsu. And then because of that, considering that Count Koma himself was taught by Jigoro Kano, technically isn't then Jigoro Kano the most influential person in jiu-jitsu's history. Thanks. Love the stuff. Keep it up. Nick Legend. Wow, that's, I mean, good point. I would, I, I can't disagree with most of those points. All I'd say is, is like my limited understanding of judo history and stuff like that, that originally jiu-jitsu was what was practiced by the samurai. Uh, as in hand-to-hand combat, which, which, like when you didn't have a weapon. And so from my limited understanding, it sounds like you have quite an in-depth understanding of uh, martial arts history, that jiu-jitsu actually came before judo. And judo, judo was uh, an art which was cultivated uh, post-samurai era to make it more civilized. And at a critical point, jiu-jitsu was actually banned and wasn't allowed to be taught because the shogun were kind of running rampant and trying to get power and they were trying to shut it down. So, I mean, I don't know who the teacher was to uh, Jigoro Kano, but yeah, we could go, we could go right back, you know? Well, <laughs> this is, this is where I find that proposition a tricky one because, well, wouldn't it be Jigoro Kano's mother? Would, you know what I mean? <laughs> but did she teach him so the martial arts? So like here's, yeah, well here, but here's where I think we have to make a definition. Is it influential, the most influential figure or the most pivotal? Right. Because in that way, you could say, yes, yes, Count, Count Coma was maybe the most pivotal because he brought it, brought jiu-jitsu to Brazil, which sparked 
which is the spark that grew into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. Whereas your proposition that Uncle Dana is the most influential is that he has actually put it into the face of the most amount of people. Yeah. Now, I personally think that that's Joe Rogan, but, but do you know what I mean? And I think there's yeah. a difference between pivotal and influential there. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, uh, you know, we left out a lot of people. People got mad. People like, how about... Yeah, in the comments, man. People like, how about Horry and Gracie? He brought He was the true guy to bring jiu-jitsu to America. It's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, fully respect to all of the um, people who broke ground and really put jiu-jitsu out into the world, for sure. There are a lot of significant people in jiu-jitsu who didn't get mentioned. Part of the reason why that was is because oftentimes the, the tipping point in the popularity of a given thing isn't always obvious, you know, like... And well, yeah, we weren't trying to list out <laughs> all of the most influential people in jiu-jitsu. You were trying to get to who is the one. Who, yeah. So of course, there's going to be a bunch of names that weren't that, mentioned. That get left. Uh, all, all, get I, all, I'd say, all I'd say with that is that what we can't underestimate is the Gracies never would have been heard of if Hoist didn't go in the early UFCs. So obviously Dana was not involved with the UFC at that time. But if he didn't have that platform, who would have had that Hoist Gracie moment? Uh, fucking no one. So what are you saying then? It is Horan. Um, no, no, no. I, w- but what I'm saying is like what jiu-jitsu people and jiu-jitsu purists hate to admit is that without MMA, jiu-jitsu would not be as popular as it is. Right. And that we would not have the growth in the sport that we do and it would be – and here's the thing a lot of people don't realise. Taekwondo, uh, even though it's not so popular, is far more popular worldwide. There's like 110 million people worldwide who do Taekwondo. There's only about 15 million people who do jiu-jitsu. We're still very niche, but because of the popularity of MMA and how it is, jiu-jitsu gets a lot of shine and that's why people are trying it and talking about it. And I would say if we never got exposed to MMA in the form of the UFC and all of that, it would just still be some obscure martial art that no one gives a shit about. So, yeah, we can go well down the tree and look at the forefathers of the art but I think you could definitely, you could definitely say without without that media exposure, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Nick, thank you for the question, bro. But Pre- do do appreciate thank you for it. the thinking, guys. If you want to leave us a voicemail, go to bulletproofforbjj.com, click podcast tab, and then you just scroll down. You can record one for us, and we'll feature you on next week's Q and A. Catch you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you.